Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. This week's episode is a direct request from one of you, someone in our community. As Nicole and I mention each week, we share this audio podcast on all podcast platforms. And then we also have a video version of this podcast on our YouTube channel, the Self Healer Soundboard YouTube channel. So between the YouTube and our at selfhealers.soundboard Instagram account, we are always interacting with you guys. I'm in there every day looking at your comments, your DMs, your requests, and really what you guys would like to hear covered on the podcast. So we're always reaching out to you guys and wanting to create around what your requests are. And this one in particular was the first response we got back, and it really struck me personally. And I know collectively as a world, we all deal with our wavering hope or feeling of hopelessness. And this request in particular was how to deal with the loss of hope when you have no hope at all and what to do to really make those few steps forward, how to get out of that rut, out of that stuckness. For those of you who have been listening or tuning into this podcast might not be so surprised to hear me now offer what the definition of hope even is. Um, I get really curious for some of these topics sometimes and wonder, you know, what is this working definition? Because Jenna, you and I often talk about um, concepts, right? And when we're communicating particular concepts, I think it's really helpful um, to understand kind of what the concept is that we're talking about. So hope in and of itself can be really broken out into a noun or into a verb. And the noun form of hope is the feeling of expectation, of desire, of wanting a particular outcome, whatever that outcome might be. Um, the verb form of that, of course, is that action of wanting, of desiring, of expecting a particular outcome. And what's important and why I'm starting with this definition here is really to highlight how hope in and of itself is the embodiment of an, an emotion of sorts, of a feeling state. And I'm starting here because as someone who probably for about two decades of my life couldn't find hope in my own experience, felt very hopeless, really didn't resonate with hope, optimism, this idea of expecting positive outcomes in our life. And for those of you out there who even maybe hear the word hope and you know definitely know that that's not something you experience quite often there's many different reasons why many of you listening might be struggling with that embodiment that I imagine we'll get into as this conversation evolves and then of course beginning to explore how to begin to make those steps either to move forward despite that rock bottom or to begin to create or cultivate these feelings in our actual body in our emotional experience the feelings that is of hope I think looking at anything and everything as embodiment is so powerful. And what I replay to myself, the sentence, we don't have to look for hope when hope is where we come from. You don't have to look for love when love is where you come from. You don't have to look for joy when joy is where you come from. And you can really interchange that word. In this case, we're using hope. I don't need to look for hope out there externally. Hope is an internal experience. As Nicole is saying, it is an embodiment. It is a choice that I make. So myself and my being can choose to be hopeful, to become hope itself. And I do have a lot of compassion for people hearing that who are at rock bottom, who are really aching, who are really hurting. And hope looks completely hopeless. Hope is non-existent. And I 100% understand that. I can resonate with that immensely. And 
as I share a lot recently since Jake's death, I, I've learned a lot from the experience of Jake dying and my commitment to hope and my own relationship to hope. Because at the end of Jake's life in those last couple of weeks and last couple of days, hope is something that he felt he had lost. There was no more expectation of the future. There was no more wanting or no desiring, or at least there was an overwhelming sense that those things were unattainable. They were out of reach for him. He didn't have access to them. Instead of opening up that door in our own minds and our own soul to really see that hope is an illumination that comes from within. And in the face of Jake's death and it being Really, the tragedy that it was and is, my own hope was really tested because while I was grieving for him, I realized that what I was actually grieving the most for was the hope that was shattered. I had so much hope of his long-term recovery, of our relationship in the future, of this beautiful life that he would live and teach. And in his death, it immediately felt like that hope was just gone. It was obliterated. And sitting in that pain, like I need to catch my breath now, sitting in that feeling and that emotion, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't even feel good right now expressing this with you guys. But this is why we share and have the conversations that we do, because it's being with that pain, feeling this physically in the moment, knowing that I'm okay, that I'm actually able to turn that tragedy into an opportunity for transformation and for healing and for growth. And while it could have gone a lot of different ways when that hope shattered, it gave me an opportunity to really be faced with a new choice and a new way of being, which was an unwavering commitment and realization that I am hope itself. The light doesn't actually go out, though it does often get very dimmed and feel very out of reach. So hopefully today we can really tap into our own selves, our own individual relationship with hope, and maybe uncover that flame or that flicker again for the many of you and of us who do feel like we are at that rock bottom or are against a wall. I really appreciate, as always, Jenna, you sharing so vulnerably and so freely um, your own experience and your own emotions. And, you know, I imagine speaking to a lot of listeners out there who do or are at that rock bottom, given actual objective circumstances, happenings like loss, like the million different things, like maybe even sometimes just reflecting right on the state of the world, but feeling something happened, right? And my hope is shattered. And And I think it's also really important here to speak to those of you who may be listening, who maybe don't have the world crumbling around you, but yet still have a really hard time accessing hope or may feel hopeless without right the reason or the why, or at least nothing logical. And of course, I'm speaking as often I do to a past version of me, because when I started to realize how hope wasn't a part of my, you know, consistent emotional experience at all. It was really absent. I didn't have the world crumbling around me necessarily. I checked a lot of boxes. I was achieving in a very real objective external way. Yet I remember the moment when actually it was spoken to me by Lolly. Um, We were in the car, we were driving somewhere and I forget what we were talking about. um, But the way that I said something or responded to her in some way, she actually went, Nicole, I think I hear some hope in your voice. 
And it was in that moment by the, as you often teach in the contrast of, right, her hearing hope for the first time. And by that point, we had been together for probably a couple years. So to me, that indicated that absence of hope. And I got really curious and I began, I began to wonder, well, Nicole, why do you feel so hopeless when you've checked all of the boxes, when seemingly life you've achieved all of the expectations you have of yourself? Why aren't you feeling hopeful? And again, I want to speak to all of you out there who are resonating with this, um, because very generally, let's just talk about humans in general. First, we're not primed to feel hopeful. We're not primed to look at an event or to go into the uncertainty of an event and to expect a positive outcome. We're actually evolutionarily wired to do the, the absolute opposite. We are primed with something that is called the negativity bias, which really just means we're looking for threats. We're looking for negative. We anticipate the negative first. And all of that is wired in us to keep us safe because the quicker I can deal with this hypothetical negative threat-based event, the more the likelihood or I increase the likelihood that I can survive. So all of us humans out there listening aren't hopeful. We're not necessarily wired to see the hopeful thing first because that's not going to be what keeps us safe. What's going to keep us safe is seeing the possible threat first. In the negativity bias that Nicole's talking about, you can imagine your brain actually working as a filter. It's quite literally filtering out all of the joy and the positive that gets filtered out because the focus is on what could potentially harm, which is where that quote negative comes in. It's literally going through a filter. You could imagine it on a conveyor belt. Every experience, relationship, situation around you comes in and it's either getting dropped in one section or the other. It's going to positive, oh, that's out, or negative could be threat. Okay, let's solely focus on that. That's where your brain will go. Then hypothetically, just playing this tape forward, Jenna, assuming that the threat you know, goes away or it's not the threat we imagined it to be, then we shift back right into that much more calmer space. So generally, as humans, we're not necessarily looking for the positive. Now we compound that with those of us who didn't have consistent support, who didn't have emotionally attuned parents, who maybe you know struggled or suffered through overwhelming or traumatizing events. Now our nervous system is getting involved. And if we don't allow it to regulate, right, coming back into safety, what now happens for some of us is we get locked in a nervous system state of dysregulation. We get stuck in a fight or flight response. And the reason why I'm sharing this is the more that happens, the more consistently overwhelmed we are without the appropriate resources, the more we increase the likelihood of shutting down completely, of going into what's scientifically known as a state of hypo arousal. And these symptoms that come from that state of complete shutdown, it's the analogy or the metaphor of the lizard, right? When a lizard can't go away, a lizard or many animals, most animals play dead, right? So all of their systems are shutting down. They actually appear dead. They don't have energy. This state can actually mimic or contribute to feelings of hopelessness. When our nervous system is completely shut down, those of you who heard me speak on this, when we're away in our spaceship, when we're dissociated, when we're shut down, hope isn't actually possible. We actually do become hopeless. And some of us are so stuck in that state that there is no way to access hope. And this is what I began to discover for myself decades into my life when Lolly discovered the emergence of hope 
And for me, up until that point, my nervous system was so shut down that I was cycling in that feeling of hopelessness that comes along with that state of shutdown. And if you're in that hypo arousal state and you are that shut down and there is that hopelessness, then you can imagine yourself just frozen. You have to warm yourself back up. You have to liven yourself back up. You have to wake yourself back up. So with that comes actually feeling, actually living, actually breathing. So this also goes kind of perfectly full circle with the last few episodes that we have done. If you're listening or watching to this and haven't checked them out, um, I think this is episode 50. If you go back to like 47 through 49, somewhere in there, there's emotions live in your body, how to feel, how to actually process that. Because if you are in that hypo state, if you are hopeless, if you actually have gotten to a complete shutdown, then you have to take small steps to begin to feel again, to begin to wake yourself up again. And what usually happens when you're in that shutdown and you start to wake yourself up again? Well, everything that was so intense and overwhelming that caused you to shut down, that is still the same very thing that we now have to, in a in a mindful and conscious, intentional way, a slow and steady way, that's the same energy, same emotion that we now have to wake ourselves back up to. We don't get to erase it. We don't get to sweep it under our rug and avoid it. We can continue to do that, but then we'll still be in the same cycle and the same autopilot, and it'll be 10, 20, 30 years down the road, and we'll wonder why life and ourselves look and feel exactly the same as they did in the past. So it's a space too, to have a, a lot of awareness and expectation going in to this work, too, if you are in that space of hopelessness, to being really compassionate with yourself and expecting that this might feel a bit intense. It's going to feel very new because you're allowing yourself to begin feeling again. Most of us, a lot of us feeling for the very first time, there's been consistent feedback on each of these podcast episodes, I think almost on every single one that we release, I see a comment that says someone cried through watching the episode or the episode brought something up that they haven't released or cried about or felt in years, if not decades. So even the act of your presence here, whether that's watching or listening, this is an act of that self-care. It's an act of being present with yourself and easing yourself back into that cathartic processing of actual physical emotion. Hope is a sensation, an emotion, an embodiment, right? We actually become hope itself. That means we have to have a being that is actually here and able to feel and identify that it has the opportunity to choose to embody something like hope. I think this is a, a really important, you know, part of the conversation because this is, you know, the situation of not just being able to, to logic your way to feel hopeful, right? Not just being like, yeah, hope is something that's important to have. So I'm going to flip that switch and now I'm going to become hopeful and definitely not going to be possible. Again, if you, your body, this is why we, we so much emphasize here and in the self-healer circle, including our body. And Jenna continues to use the word embodiment here, right? This isn't where logic is going to override the trauma, the emotion, and the dysregulation that's actually in our body. So for a lot of you, the second part 
of the question that inspired this episode was how do I begin to move forward or take the steps forward if I'm at that rock bottom? And the reality of it is it's taking those steps forward, even without yet feeling that hope, right? Becoming, coming up with whatever the intentional plan of action is, right? Whatever it is that you want to cultivate or create hope toward, whatever the future is or the aspect of the future that you want to create in your life, what are the steps that can get me there before I necessarily feel hopeful about it? It's the same conversation, you know, that I think many people have around motivation, right? A lot of us sit there and wait to feel like we want to do something different with our life, to feel motivated. And as we often even explore here, the reality of it is we don't want to change. We don't really want to do something different. So waiting for the feeling of motivation to action me into doing something differently, we're going to be waiting a long time. Same conversation here with hope. If we're not used to embodying hope, if our nervous system is dysregulated, we might want to take those and need to take those steps forward before we actually can feel right the hopefulness in our bodies. When we are faced with something in life that is tragic or hopeless or unchangeable, the one thing that we always have access to and an opportunity to change is ourselves. And it's in that response to being in the face of what seems like hopelessness, like all hope is lost. When Jake died, you better believe all hope seemed to immediately go out the window. It just felt broken. And it was in especially in that exact moment, that there was an opportunity for me to make a choice to lean into that tragedy and use it as an opportunity for transformation. Anything that's occurring that gives us this response of feeling hopeless or a hopeless situation or hope seems to go out the window, hope hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't disappeared. It wasn't actually some tangible thing that we could grab anyways. It's something internal that we embody. So it's especially in those moments where we are faced with the deepest pain, the deepest heartache, sometimes the deepest tragedy of our lives, where it's very helpful to remember that that glimmer of hope, that feeling, that vision of the hopeful expectation that we had for the future, because we've learned that the definition of hope is that expectation for something desired. That doesn't ever disappear. It does, however, shapeshift. It does change. Our expectations will change as we go. When Jake died and that hope felt shattered, when I leaned into that, what I discovered for myself was that the hope itself was never lost. All of the hope that I had for the future, for his story, for my own, for our relationship, all of it, it didn't disappear. However, it very much changed. That same love, that same energy and that hope has now shape-shifted and is coming through in this episode. It's come through in everything that I create or do or speak on in the months and all of the time that will continue to come after Jake's death. I get to now recreate what that hope looks like because the vision that I had for it didn't pan out. Jake is no longer physically here. I now get to sort of alchemize and rework and shift that hope into something new and something beautiful. I think what's what's really beautiful, and I appreciate this this conversation going in this direction because what you're highlighting here, Jenna, and is the reality of the case is there's a little bit of of 
uncertainty tolerance in there, right? So in that process of the evolution of hope as it's transforming, as circumstances have happened, that it's not going to look, the expectation isn't going to look objectively like I once thought, right? Now I'm in a, a more open space of one, what one might call possibility. It's uncertain. We don't yet know. And there's a period of time where many of you listeners, maybe even you, Jen, I'm not sure exactly how long it took for you to figure out that new shape. And maybe in a lot of ways, you're still figuring it out. And again, I'm highlighting all of this because as our hopes shift, change our expectations, as we learn how to embody this, what we're also learning and needing to teach our body how to do is to be in that space of uncertainty. And our mind and our body don't love that space either. We love to predict. We love to know what comes next. It gives us a sense of control. It helps us feel safer. And so essentially what we're needing to do is, again, learn how to tolerate all of the feelings that could come up in that evolution phase, that phase of not yet knowing where my hope is going to transpire, what it's going to transform into, and ultimately what happens next. Because that is part of this dynamic process is learning how to be okay and as comfortable as possible in that middle stage. I actually remember specifically when I had this reflection on hope and it was in the, a couple of weeks after Jake died, I was laying in our backyard here. I made an Instagram post actually of my hand on my heart and I was just bawling and just letting out emotion. And I made that connection to realizing, you know, Jake's physically gone. Yes. Though I very much still feel him. And whenever I grieve for him, I always ask myself, like, what is it? What, what is it that you're grieving? And I just kept coming back to that hope. And I just, it was just a profound knowing like, well, that hope didn't go anywhere. I still feel it though. A couple months ago, actually we were in Utah and I haven't told you this. We were in Utah, went on a walk and I was looking through, I think probably going through Jake's phone, looking at stuff. And he, I was reading conversations he had had around hope. I knew that he had lost hope. And in that moment, whatever I read, it just clicked. And I, I knew that Jake's death was directly related to this, you know, belief that hope was gone. And it was in that moment that I committed to myself that I was just going to be the embodiment of hope for Jake, for myself, for everyone and everything. And I then took a picture of myself that day, shared it on Instagram. It was me smiling in the sun. And I had all of these beautiful captions written about Jake and I deleted them all and just wrote born to shine and just left that. And I then opened up his Facebook and a picture, an archive of him from that day a year before came up and it was his profile picture that's actually used on his prayer card. And he put the words, keep smiling next to it. So it felt very much like a direct message from him. And then a couple of minutes after that, the three of us all went on a walk. And I think I was talking about Jake at one point, or I was messaging, texting with his daughter. And in that exact moment of this connection verbally about Jake, there were all of these butterflies on this tree and we saw them in the same spot when we went back. And I have it all in my notepad and I share it here because sometimes I keep track of those synchronicities when things just start to align and you get these messages and signs and really beautiful knowings from spirit, from the universe, whatever you want to call it or whatever it is that you believe. It just felt like such a direct and divine communication that was all built around this profound, just kind of birth or uh, like eruption of hope doesn't go anywhere. 
And I just, I'd say that so profoundly because I'm also the same person that, you know, for years was self-harming, was at rock bottom for year after year, really depressed, feeling really hopeless. And I'm grateful for all of the things that the tragedy of Jake's death has taught, though, that glimmer of hope. And I guess really that glimmer could be equated to the fact that hope is possibility. At no point in your life does possibility leave you. You may not always have the ability or opportunity to change a certain situation, certainly not changing another person, though we always have the ability and opportunity to choose how we respond, to choose the meaning that we give to things. And When we realize that we have that power, you can see possibility in everything. There's literally nothing that you could think up in your mind that is impossible. The actual word impossible literally says, I'm possible. All of these choices um, that we've been talking about through here, I just want to, you know, emphasize that of course, we're not we're not speaking of bypassing right um, all of the deeper feelings, the feelings of grief. These are choices that allow those feelings to be the case as well. My hope isn't that <laughs> hope um, that you listen to this podcast on hope and try and squash down. I think we kind of beat that dead horse very often here, but feeling all of our feelings are definitely part of this journey. It doesn't mean to bypass how we feel about the events in our life. It's choices that we can make while all of those feelings are the case as well. And going back to this negative filter right, that our human brain puts over everything in that space of pause is where we can begin to choose a new filter, right? Beginning to look consciously, intentionally for the possibility or imagine what the possibility might be in any given situation. Taking that action of actually changing that filter from I only see the negative or what could go wrong to what could could my hope be? Getting curious about what my hope might be in that moment. And another really helpful choice it might be to be around people, exposing yourself to others who are hopeful, who speak in hopeful tones with hopeful statements. And again, I'm contrasting that. I know for me personally, not only was it my shutdown nervous system that contributed to my lack of hope or my hopelessness, it was the messaging in my family, a family of everyone and more or less a shutdown nervous system who repeated worst case scenario. Thinking my dad's favorite joke that he wakes up to every morning when asked, how are you doing is great. I woke up today. It's all downhill from here right? Jokingly, he says it though, again, this mindset of negative things only get worse, right? So if we're exposing ourselves to the messaging, maybe from our families of our or our friend groups, and it is that negative-based thinking, it's going to be hard to begin to practice looking for the hopeful expectation. So again, exposing yourself to different others who are thinking in these hopeful ways might be helpful to help shift that mindset for yourself. And while we're talking about a lot of that mental work and a lot of you are doing that mental work and this mindset work, the body also has to come hand in hand. And we cannot emphasize that enough, which is why I I do say the word embodiment all the time because it it's whatever I'm embodying, that is my being in that moment. It does shift and change. And I have power over that. I have control and choice over that 
when my nervous system is regulated, when I am taking care of my body. If my nervous system isn't regulated, if I'm in a state of dysregulation, then I'm not going to be able to respond in those moments that Nicole's talking about in that window where I can choose to filter out the negative and choose the positive or choose to respond differently or newly to a situation. I have much less access to even be able to do that or have the option to be able to do that if my nervous system is not regulated, if I am not in a calm and grounded state. What does that mean? Looking after your body, literally going back to the basics, drinking clean water, getting enough sleep, moving your body. Your body is designed to move. It needs to move. Getting sunlight every day, being in nature every day. The more time I spend building and cultivating that relationship with my physical body so that it also knows I'm looking after you, I'm listening to you, I'm taking care of you. When I do that physically, then all this mental work that we're doing starts to merge. It all starts to align and it opens up much bigger windows and much more accessibility to be able to actually respond and choose different inside the moment that we're needing to. It's the work outside of those moments that gives you the opportunity to do that. So mind and body. I People always ask, so I'm going to say it again here. There's a quote by Nietzsche that is my favorite, and it says, there is more wisdom in your body than in your greatest philosophy. Your physical body is literally storing all of its past memories, all of its past trauma. We have to spend time taking care of it, cultivating a loving relationship with it, and moving it and keeping it healthy so that we can actually show up for all of this mental work and mental reframing that we're doing in our lives. I appreciate um, that very helpful rundown of all of the things. And, you know, again, I want to offer everyone out there, you know, compassion, patience, because this this is a journey. You know, the takeaway here is, you know, I hope first to get curious around this con- concept, this idea, this experience of hope, um, getting curious, beginning to explore how present or absent is that in your day-to-day life? And for all of you out there who are feeling hopeless, maybe given circumstances that you know are ongoing or have occurred in your life, or maybe you're like me, not yet really not even personally sure exactly, though maybe again, it's living in your body. The state of shutdown isn't allowing you to feel safe enough to shift right the way that we're thinking in a more hopeful direction. So then for you all, the journey is begins with all of those beautiful somatic body-based ways that we can make those small daily promises little by little creating that balance back in our body. Um, again, in, in service of not creating another circumstance of overwhelm, you know, Jenna just named many different areas, sleep, movement, nutrition, right? Picking nutrition, one area. Whole foods, that's a big one. Whole, right? Making one small daily change that you can consistently make for the foreseeable future. And then what we're doing is habit stacking in a way, for those of you who've heard that concept, and then building in another choice on top of that, not setting a to-do list with 10 new things that are going to start tomorrow. Chances are we're probably going to continue that overwhelm, doing too many new things too quickly, only stresses our nervous system out. So as most conversations end, um, this is about a journey, a journey back into the body for many of you, a journey back into that state of regulation so that you can then begin to embody these new choices, this new feeling state 
of hope, which for some of you might mean making those steps forward before you actually feel the hope in your body, in your presence, knowing that over time that filter will begin to lift. You will begin to easily or more easily identify those things to be hopeful about. And then soon before you even know it, you might actually begin like Lolly experienced in me that one day, see right that glimmer of hope. I'm getting chills even saying it, that glimmer of hope in yourself. And then from that spark that I assure you is still in each and every one of you, right? we can begin to flame that into the choice point that we can revisit day in and day out. Keep in mind that hope is not something external that you're searching for out there. That glimmer of hope is something that lives and resides within you. So it's a matter of uncovering and getting access to that. And we are hopeful that this episode was Mm -hmm. helpful um, for you guys. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, as always. I'm in there every day in our DMs, specifically on YouTube. Um, We love getting your comments on YouTube, and it's the easiest way for us to interact with you. So Drop us a line. Let us know what came up for you, your feedback. We'd love to hear it. And of course, share this with friends, family, anyone you think uh, may enjoy and benefit. We do these ad-free every week intentionally so that you are not interrupted. So you're sharing uh, with your friends, loved ones, humans that you share the earth with um, is really appreciated by us and helps get the work out. So we love you and thank you for being here and look forward to being with you again next week. We hope you tune in, pun intended. Ha ha, couldn't resist. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.